Welcome to the Echo Community Church Podcast. At Echo, we're all about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And on this podcast, you'll hear solid teaching from the Bible from our pastors at Echo. Thanks for checking us out and enjoy the message. But uh, I do want to just let you know, make waves, those two words, it's not a theme that we invented. It is actually the theme of our 2022 summer vacation Bible school. And so uh, if you remember when we met in the high school, uh, we had cast vision for several years that we would really love to be able to host um, a week-long outreach of vacation Bible school for students in our area. And we were able to do that one year, the year before COVID, 2021, or was it 2020? It was 2020, actually. It was two years before. We were able to rent one of the local elementary schools And uh, we had a vacation Bible school there. We had about 35 students, and we were there Monday through Friday, and we went through um, just a really, really fun week together with them of games and snacks and crafts and music and projects and large group activities and small group activities. It was a wonderful time that we had together doing that outreach. And so now that we have our own space and now that we're allowed to congregate together again, we decided we want to resume having an annual outreach every year for kids in our area and for their families. And this year, uh, we're going with the Make Waves theme. It's a curriculum that we purchased from the Orange Group, who uh, we also use their curriculum for our um, Sunday morning uh, Sunday morning activities and ministry to kids. So it's an awesome curriculum, but it's coming up this summer. It is an entire week in July that we're planning especially for kids. We're going to have games, snacks, arts and crafts, activities, music, special guests, all kinds of surprises, all built around the summer theme. And we're teaching kids about what the Bible says about how to be a wave maker, that little things that you do today can impact somebody's life forever. And the curriculum actually takes them the whole way through from Genesis 1 until the book of Acts over the course of five days. And it's an immersive experience. We're going to turn the whole church over into feeling like a beach summary theme. We'll be able to use the sanctuary and our entire kids wing. So a market on your calendars if you haven't. At the very least, I want you to be praying for us. This is a huge week for us. Yes, it's for kids within our church, but we also extend this to any kids throughout our community who would like you know, who would like to come and be part of this. And a lot of parents are looking for things for their kids to be involved in over the summer. So it's from July 22nd to the 27th. That's a Monday through a Friday. So Monday the 22nd, 18th, I'm sorry, Monday the 18th. You know why I wrote that down? That's my vacation. I got that on my brain. I'm on vacation from the 22nd to 27th. Don't bring your kids that, well, you know what? In fact, bring them that week because I'll be, I'll be in Phoenix where it's nice and cool with my son. Uh, July 18th through the 22nd, it's good, you, it's, it's good you caught that. That was on the brain. Uh, 18th through the 22nd, which is Monday through a Friday. I will be here for that. I'll be here the whole time. It's from 9 in the morning until noon, so it's not all day. I know some parents are like, can we just drop them off at 6 in the morning and pick them up on Friday? No, not that kind of a camp. That's camp. That costs a whole lot more money, okay? Um, it's from Monday through Friday. We start at 9 o'clock. It goes until noon. This year, we're actually, uh, it's for Kids entering kindergarten through fifth grade this fall, but this year we're also able to offer the preschool part of this too. So any of our four and five-year-olds who won't be starting kindergarten, little caveat, they need to be potty trained, okay, because we don't, that's one service we don't provide anymore, but they need to be potty trained. But we have a preschool 
uh, track for this as well. They will meet in their own environment simultaneous, but not together with the, with the big group. So um, we're excited about doing that too. That opens it up to, more, to some more people. The cost, um, it's $20 per child, but there's a discount. Each additional child is, is half off until I think it's a maximum of what, $50 a family? Because um, we have some of you that have like 37 kids. And so now they have to be your kids. You can't just get everybody in the neighborhood and be like, we'd all like the family discount. Like, not, not that. I will tell you, it costs a whole lot more than that per child. But um, that is just a way to offset some of the costs. They'll get more than that back just in their swag bag. They get a backpack. They get T-shirts. In fact, if your child or, or the child that you're bringing has already registered before today, make sure on the way out you stop by the, the, uh, the display out there. We have their, their camp T-shirts are already here, and so they can pick up their T-shirt. If you register your child today, they can get their T-shirt today. So we have those things available here, but I just want to make you aware of what's going on. We can accommodate up to 50 children in the elementary VBS and another 10 children in preschool. So that's 60 kids. That would double what we were able to minister to last time. And so um, our pre-registration, we already have a little bit over one-third of those slots filled, um, but we, we could use your help to be able to just get the word out there, to pray about this, to invite somebody, especially our own kids in the next service. We're going to be challenging them to invite a friend to come along with them to VBS, but uh, we, we've got an awesome week planned, and in the second service, we'll introduce our, uh, our team to you. But I want you to be aware of what's going on. Um, to that end, um, they introduce a phrase to our kids called, they talk about being a wave maker. And so I got out my little Google machine and I'm like, okay, let me see how many times the phrase wave maker is used in the Bible. Do you know how many times it's used? Zero. So um, I thought it might be helpful if we, as, a, as an adult congregation, if we also thought about what it means to be a wave maker. So the sermon this morning is how to be a wave maker. And it's a challenge for your pastor because I couldn't just do a study on wave maker. I had to figure out what concept is, did this curriculum team come up with that they're putting forward. And, and it's this idea of we as people taking on a property of what a wave is. And so the definition that they gave us, what is a wave maker? A wave maker is someone who makes an impact on the world around them. Now, I can grab onto that. Can you grab on that? Someone who makes an impact on the world around them. Now, I, did, I can be a little cynical. I can be a little skeptical. There's a kind of wave maker that annoys the tar out of me. You can make a good impact or a not-so-good impact on people, can't you? Yeah? Like just when you're sitting in traffic on the beltway, look across and look at the face of the man or the woman driving on your left and on your right. Their face will indicate to you they've already run into a wave maker that day. Someone has already come in contact with them and made an impact on them. Well, let me take this scientifically. I started thinking about this a lot, and I thought, you know, there's this guy that lived a while ago by the name of, I think his first name was Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton, um, who I thought for years was the inventor of that delicious snack that comes in trays, in rows, with like that thick, pasty fruit on the inside wrapped around in carbohydrates. Not the same guy. 
He, we give him credit for what? Well, we don't give him credit for gravity. I give God credit for gravity. (coughs) Discovering it is easy. Creating it's a whole different thing, right? But he he had some laws that he discovered and and printed. Do you know what Newton's, now the smart people in the room, and I'm not one of you, I had to, you know, I had to get on the Google machine and look at the most reliable source, which everybody knows is Wikipedia. I had to look at Wikipedia. What is Newton's first law of motion? An object at rest tends to stay at rest, uh, help us, Mr. Scientist, unless acted upon by what? An outside force. Okay, some of you, it might have been 60 years since you've heard that. So I'm, an object at rest tends to stay at rest unless acted upon by some outside force. This is true in my house. I would be asleep unless some outside force woke me up, right? Buzzed in my ear or usually in my house, you know, taps me on the shoulder, dad, dad, can you, can you make me a bowl of Cheerios? And I'm like, you're 10. Go make yourself a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> That's not hard. Of course, then when you see the milk all over the floor, you're thinking, okay, it wasn't the getting the cereal in the bowl that was the issue. It was getting the milk into the bowl and knowing when to stop it before it pours in the floor. Newton figured out that an object at rest is not going to change. It's not going to move unless acted upon by some outside force. Now, if that's true of objects, could it also be true that a lot of who you are today and who I am today is the result of other people having an impact on me? It's the whole nature versus nurture argument, right? And I'm not going to go down that trail this morning other than to say that nurture and the, the way that people interact with you and the way that people have interacted with you throughout your life have a big impact on who you are today, how you were raised, how you were taught, how you were coached, how you were accepted or rejected by people around you, early relationships and romantic interests, whether they were accepted or spurned or declined, how you think about yourself. The undeniable fact is that other people have an impact on you. And you have the potential to make an impact on other people. And the question is, are you going to make a wave or are you going to leave a wake? Do you know what I mean by leaving a wake? Have you ever been at the beach in the summertime and... You know, a, a, boat is, a boat is just going, you know, parallel with the shore. And as it goes past, it leaves a wake. And over time, that gets towards the shore. And, you know, the water is moving up and down. It leaves a wake. How many of you have ever been tubing behind a boat? A few of you have been? Now, you usually enjoy a wake there, don't you? You like when the driver of the boat goes back and forth and kind of throws you up over the wake and around the side. And now some of you don't. You want them to just pull you. But those of you like that wake... Um, Every time you enter and exit a relationship, you make a wave when you enter and you leave a wake when you leave. Some of you, you can tell when you arrive on campus on a Sunday, you've already had an interaction with somebody. You don't even have to tell us. It's written all over your face. Your latte was too cold. 
the person in front of you wasn't moving fast enough. In fact, sometimes, usually with parents and kids, we can watch you. You pull in the parking lot. We can't hear you, but we can see things are not going well. And then magically, when the doors open, it's like you snap into it. You're like, okay, okay, well, let's go and worship the Lord together or else. And then you get out of the car and everything's, <coughs> everything's good. One of the roles of our welcome team, and we talk about this, is our welcome team, we're trying to be like thermostats. And we're recognizing that by the time you've come in on Sunday morning, you've had some impact. Maybe the people in your house weren't getting ready in time. Maybe traffic was on your nerves. Maybe you stopped to get a coffee and they didn't have what you wanted. The person in the window got your order wrong or they didn't say it right. You got here and someone was in your parking space and then you got in here and someone was in your seat. What we're trying to do on purpose on Sundays is be wave makers. That even before that you come into the sanctuary, our welcome team, we're trying to greet you with a smile. We're trying to look you in the eye. We're trying to help be thermostats to raise that temperature. And we recognize that we have, it might not be the, you know, I might not have the, you know, the power within me to change your whole life. But can I make an impact such that your day is one degree a little bit better than it was before that we ran into each other, before that our paths crossed? A wave maker is someone who makes an impact on the world around them. The people around us will remain unchanged unless there is something around them environmentally, something without them that makes an impact on their life. For you to be a wave maker... You've got to be close to somebody, and you have to interact with them. If you are going to use the life that God gave you to impact somebody else's life such that their life is one degree better for having to interacted with you, you need proximity, and you need interaction. That means you have to live close enough to other people and then interact with other people. Now, I realize when I talk about interacting with other people some of you are like yes I am wired for this and others of you are like that is my worst nightmare I I am an introvert introverts and I am one of those I'm they came up with this new term a couple years ago the extroverted introvert and base and and basically what that means is that to the naked eye you look like you can be an extrovert because you're not awkward around people I guess but if left to your own devices, you would rather recharge in isolation because relationships drain you. Listen, relationships drain even extroverts. But relationships can also fill you up. And we just want to be in relationships that fill us at least at the same pace as which relationships drain us. And I realize that there's a fear a lot of us have when it comes to impacting people because it's going to require us to get invested. It's going to require us to interact. It's going to require conversations. It's going to require attention. It's going to require you taking your eyes off of your own life's needs and priorities long enough to be interested in someone else's more than yours for a moment. And this all sounds good, but this all could fit right inside of a TED Talk. You don't have to be a Christian to take something from what I just said. 
And so I realized that probably my biggest assignment this morning is to convince you that the Bible teaches that being a wave maker is part of God's design for you. Then you'd be interested. If I could convince you that you weren't just created randomly and dropped off on this earth to make life, to make out of life whatever you want, that perhaps there's an actual divine design and purpose for your being here. And if I can convince you that biblically your purpose in being on this earth is to impact other people's lives for the glory of God, if that's the reason why you're here or one of the reasons why you're here, then you'd be very interested. And so that's kind of my assignment this morning. I I can tell you what a wave maker is. I could look it up in the curriculum and and print it out. What they didn't give me was the sermon to tell adults about what being a wave maker is. And if we're going to teach our kids about being a wave makers, where do you think they're going to look to know how to be a wave maker? They're going to look at you. Well, the kids in this church don't watch me. I differ to beg with I beg to differ with you. I just spent a weekend, two weekends of my last three, with some 10, 11, and 12-year-old young men from this church. And along with me were some other grown-ups. You literally sent some of your children away with Pastor Zach and I for a camp out. Now, I don't know if that makes you wise or not. But you know what? My 10-year-old participated in the, in the Royal Ranger powwow two weekends ago. And yesterday, he participated in a Royal Ranger service project. I've tried for years to get my 10-year-old to cook breakfast. No success. He won't even try. I've tried to get him to show an interest in mowing the lawn and helping me with the yard work. I'm trying to get him to show an interest now because when age 11 comes, the, the, the years of choice will be gone and he will be required because he shares the same last name and lives rent-free at 3105 North Wind Road. He will have to mow the grass. But you know what's interesting to me? He was not interested until he went away and saw Commander Bob and Pastor Zach and yesterday Commander John mowing grass, making pancakes, cooking sausages, cooking bacon. All of a sudden they say, hey, do you want to come learn? Okay. Ten years. I don't even want to think about how much money his mom and I have poured into these boys. But he's looking at other believing men who, whether they realize it or not, he looks up to them. And that's a scary thing sometimes as a, as a dad when you say your kids are at a point where other men and other adults in their life have as much pool and in some cases even more than I do. They see them differently. You think you don't have an impact on our young people? How are they going to learn to worship? How will they learn to pray? How will they learn to take responsibility? How will our young men learn how to treat young women? Wave makers, we have the opportunity to make an impact on the world around us. We can work together to do that. So, I... 
I have to prove to you that you have a purpose. I have to prove that to you. If you have, if you have a purpose, then the following two things have to be true. Okay? If you have a purpose, if God has a purpose for you, you have to have a reason to exist. And secondly, you have to have a good work to do. Everything in life that serves a purpose meets those criteria. They have, there's a reason they were invented, created, manufactured, and there's a function, a work, something beneficial. Now, some things you have to look really, really, really hard, like the onion. I don't like onions. I don't know why they were created. Now, some of you love them. I don't. I know they have a reason to exist. I just don't know what their good work is. Maybe sour cream and onion chips. I'm not sure. I recently, um, well, not recently, six years ago, I bought a tent because my family expressed an interest that year to go tent camping. Three weeks ago, we finally used that tent. And when we were setting up the tent, there was some extra stuff left over, which is not usually a good sign. And my 10-year-old and I are setting up the tent, and then there's all these, like, long mesh nylon things that had like tie strings at the end of them, zippers, and we're like, what are all of these things? The Ozark Trail or whoever it was that made the tent, they created all this extra stuff. I don't know what they're for. I didn't know what their purpose was. So where did I look to figure out what all these extra pieces were? The instructions, which were conveniently located, I found them through the Google machine. And so I it was nice, like these new things, that you, they, they, they make them for people like me. There was a little QR code on the bag. I scanned it in on my phone. Boom, brings up the instruction manual, and it starts telling me about all these extra things. They're like, there's media pockets now for tents. And I'm like, what is, we're like, what is this thing? In your tent that you buy to go to the outdoors, they create a media pocket It's an iPad-sized mesh compartment that can be tied off at grommets in your tent so that your kids can go out into nature and watch Disney Plus on their iPads. (laughs) It had a reason to exist, and it had a good work to do, but to me, it just looked like a nuisance until I looked up in the instruction manual and had the manufacturer tell us this is the purpose. I could use that for a whole lot of other things. In fact, I kind of wish it would have not ever made its way into the tent because that introduced a concept I was trying to divorce from camping. But my 10-year-old is thrilled. that It's like, oh, can we, can, we, can we do a camp out at home? What does that mean? We can put the tent on the deck so that we could plug in the portable air conditioner and then we can hang the... We can hang, the, we can hang the, the, the thing inside, and you can blow up the air mattress, and we can lay inside the tent and what? Son, we own a house. You're describing what a normal Friday night is indoors. You can sit on a couch in actual air conditioning and press a button. Why do I have to do? Well, it would be fun. This would be outside. No, you're just, you're creating an artificial bubble. That is not in my notes. So we'll just keep, keep on going. Purpose. In order then 
don't you think a lot of people spend a lot of time at some point in their life asking, why, what's my purpose? Why am I on this blue marble? What am I, haven't you ever just had a moment in the middle of a mundane day at work and just said, is, is this really what I'm made for? Like, to go to work, to earn money, to pay for things that I need for shelter and clothing and food, that I need to keep me safe and dry so that I can get rested and fueled up enough to go back to work and earn more money. To con- Have you ever just thought about that and said, really, what am I looking forward to? Well, when I was a child, I was looking forward to being a teenager because that's when life would get better. And then I became a teenager, and then life wasn't quite as good as I thought that it would be. And I couldn't wait till I was 16 so I could drive a car and have freedom. And then I got 16, and I started driving a car, and then I had chores, and I had to get a job to pay for the car. And then I couldn't wait to be 18 so I could get out of the house and be an adult and go to college. And when I got to college, I couldn't wait to graduate. And when I graduated, I couldn't wait to get a job. And then when I got a job, I couldn't wait to earn enough money to pay off the debt from going to college. And I couldn't wait to get married. And then I got married and we couldn't wait to have kids. Then we had kids and I couldn't wait for them to get out of the house. Then they got out of the house and then I was like, I don't have enough years to save for retirement. I hope I did. And you can get the whole way to the end of life and say you're still just waiting for things to get good. You're always waiting for the next thing to come and then when it comes, you get there and you're like, oh, this didn't deliver. Haven't you ever just wondered, you know, what, what's my reason? What's the good work for me to do? Is this... Was I really just made for this? I want to submit to you. And some of you, I might have just depressed you. You've never thought about this. And you're like, I lost you. I can tell your eyes are just glazed over. You're like, this is the worst Memorial Day ever. I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to barbecue. I'm going to go home and crawl up in the fetal position and wonder about my purpose in life. I've just become a sunflower and I didn't realize it. You know, I, I'm not trying to depress you. But I hope I make you curious. Because one of two things is true, and it has to be one or the other. Either there's absolutely no purpose for you, or you are divinely, thoughtfully, intentionally, specifically purposed. You can't be neither of those. You have to be one or the other. You either were created, and if you're created, you were created with a purpose. Or you just arrived. You just happened. Just chance. Because of chance, you're here. And you're on this blue marble until you're not. And life is what you make of it. If there is a creator and you were created, you were created with a purpose in mind. That creator had some motivation in mind to make you. And if that's the case and there's a purpose for you, you do have a reason to exist. You do have a good work to do. So, you know, I don't have the Google machine and a QR code to help us figure out your purpose, but don't we have a manual that our creator gave us? Where would you go in your manual to figure out your purpose? Yeah. Bible. Um, You might not have ever read this passage this morning. This is probably very unfamiliar to you, to most of you. This might be the first time. Uh, Turn to Genesis 1-1. 
Okay, some of you aren't even moving. T- turn to Genesis or log in on your phone, find Genesis 1-1. Pastor, I don't need to turn there, I know it. Every time I feel bad about reading my Bible, I start here. <laughs> Who determines purpose for anybody or anything? Who gets to determine something's purpose or someone's purpose? Say it again a little louder. Okay, yeah, God may be in the case of humans if you believe that God created you. Generally, and I agree with that, I'm a creationist, absolutely. And generally speaking, who has the right to determine something's purpose? Creator, inventor, whoever made it, right? This is why we don't name children who don't belong to us. Well, I don't like that kid's name, can you believe? It doesn't matter, you didn't make them. You don't get a say in what their name is. It's called the creator's privilege or the designer's privilege. If you design it, you get to define it. If you create a widget, you create an invention, you get to decide what it does and what you call it. And we accept that. There's nobody out there upset, you know, that because, well, I don't like I don't like the word cup. I think it should be named something different. Well, so what? You didn't invent it. End of argument. Who gets to decide what a human's purpose is? Well, the, whoever created humankind, that's their right. And I will just say this parenthetically. If God created humankind which the Bible tells us simply and straightforwardly that he did, you know what that means? He gets to design us, he gets to define us. If he created marriage, who gets to define it? If God invented and created marriage, that we didn't discover it, it didn't just happen. If God created it, who gets to define it? Our government? Your politician? Common core curriculum, God does. Do you see that? If God created them male and female, who defines that then? God does. To me, it's very simple and straightforward. The creator created. And it was good. And it was thoughtful. And it was purposeful. Well, pastor, there's all these questions. Absolutely. There's always been questions. There always will be questions. Where do you go? Well, I'm going to the Google machine. No. Come here. Read it simply. Read it straightforward. Genesis chapter 1. Let me just, and I'll I'll move quick through this. I meant for this to be pretty light this morning. Good luck. Um, In the beginning, have you heard this before? Okay, so this is not new, but this is awesome. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. 
those first four words. What were they? In the beginning, God. In the beginning of what? Well, if we say in the beginning of everything, we have a little bit of a problem then, right? Because then that means God began. In the beginning, I think I heard it over here. In the beginning of what? Time. Time is not for God's purposes. God doesn't need time. God is not bound by time. God sits above time. There is no past, present, and future to God. He's infinite. Don't expect to fully understand this. I don't. I just memorize it and spit it back. No, I'm just kidding. Time is for us. For us, we can only, I can only be at one point in linear time at any time. Have I lost you yet? I'm in the present. Oh, but that present just escaped me, and now that's past, you see. God exists the whole way simultaneously all the time, okay? So if we say in the beginning, some people say there was nothing, and then all of a sudden with a bang or a snap, then there was everything. The Bible doesn't quite teach that. The Bible says in the beginning, in other words, at the press play point, if you rewind your DVR back to where you can't go any farther, and you consider that the beginning, what God is saying is that at that point, I already was, okay? And if you read through your Bible, you will find about a few other events that happened prior to that. That's for another day, for another time. Do your homework, have fun. In the beginning... God. Now, this is beautiful. Do you know the Hebrew word right here is the same word for God the whole way through Genesis 1? It's the Hebrew word Elohim. Have you heard Elohim before? L-E-L means what in Hebrew? God. And at the end of that word are the letters I-M, okay? Im. Do you know that Im is the masculine plural form of the word el. So, or the masculine plural form in Hebrew, ot, O-T, is the, masculine, or is the feminine plural form. Pastor, you're getting really nerdy really fast. I just want to show you something special here. All through Genesis, every time we read the name of God, it's always in the plural form, but it's used singularly. In other words, in the beginning, God's created the heaven and the earth is how that would read just literally. However, the author uses it in the singular tense. Pastor, why are you saying all that? The author is showing us that God is both plural and singular. Four words into the Bible, and we're already into this part of God that blows our mind. But you know what it's showing us? That God is one, and yet there's a plurality within God Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they were all present at creation. In the beginning, God created. Now that's interesting. That word for create is creation ex 
Ex nihilo. Do you know what that means? Out of nothing. We can't do this. We can fashion things. No human being can create like God did. That word is very specific. It doesn't say that God took a bunch of raw materials and fashioned mountains. That there was some universal recipe that he mixed a little of this and a little of that and a little flour and a little tapioca and all of a sudden he created out of nothing. He didn't create out of himself. In other words, the Bible says the whole universe could fade away, but God won't because if he created it out of himself and the universe fell apart, part of him would die. He created it out of nothing. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the waters. And then there's this beautiful phrase, and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I wish we could go back and watch this. And isn't it interesting that we've spent thousands of years writing all kinds of books, having all kinds of theories about how we got here, about Big Bang or creation or evolution and all the other ideas. And we, we, we turn to the Bible and it spends exactly one and a half chapters on it. And it's without a whole lot of detail. Genesis spends 13 chapters talking about a snotty-nosed little brother in Joseph and one and a half chapters about how the world began. And aren't you thinking to yourself, God, why did you allocate information like that? Well, because the Bible's not trying to be a science book. If you believe Genesis 1-1 with all your heart, you can believe the entire rest of the Bible. Well, where do I start in my faith? Grab on to Genesis 1-1. If you can come to the place where you will believe by faith that everything you see around you was created by the one true God in three persons, simply by him speaking and the Holy Spirit acting, then you can believe that God is powerful enough to do everything else the Bible tells you. If you can't grab onto Genesis 1-1, then the rest of it's gonna be suspect to you. Because if God can't make you, and if God didn't create all this, how can he save you? Why would he save you? How does he have the power to do any of that? If you can grab onto Genesis 1-1 and say, that simple, straightforward, well, and you'll get all these people. It couldn't have happened this way because of this and that. And it couldn't have, it, nothing is that big. And pr- the only possible explanation is, well, the only other answer is that if there is a God that's big enough and powerful enough to do it, then he did it. And that's the answer that the Bible gives you. He's the, takes more faith for me to believe that this happened by chance than that there's an intelligent, purposeful design to everything. That's called the teleological argument, by the way. The argument that says, just look out there and notice how much purpose and thought has been put into the universe and the galaxies and the creations. And that is evidence that, there, that this was not happenstance, but that it was actually thoughtfully, intelligently, and purposefully designed. The Psalms talk about that. Look into the firmament of the skies and tell me that God didn't make that. Okay? Let's 
get, let's get back to purpose. The spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. I love that. Do you know what it means to hover? Have you hovered before? Uh, I'll give you some, no. Maybe you have. Because I know when my wife makes chocolate chip cookies and they're put out to cool, I have a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old and a 46-year-old that hover. We are there. We're ready to pounce. But we're being restrained by the powers that be until we're given the green light to have at it. That's what it looks like to hover. Now, how many of you have hovered? Okay, be okay. The rest of you need to repent this morning. I'm not telling you. Hovering. The Holy Spirit, that Hebrew word literally means to flutter. I want you to get this picture because we're two verses into the Bible, and I can't skip over this. It has nothing to do with this sermon, but this is beautiful. We're two verses into the Bible. We already get the Trinity. We already got, get the infinite nature of God. We already get that he's a creator, not a, not a fashioner. And then we get this beautiful picture. Here is the spirit of God. How long has he been there hovering over? And what's he, how long has he been hovering? We don't know, do we? But at the beginning, he was there hovering. So how long before the beginning? I don't know. Now, you've read ahead a little bit. What does the Spirit of God have the ability to do if we turned him loose? Everything. Specifically what? What could he do that we learn about over the rest of chapter 1? He can be God's creative, God's creative expression, right? Everything else. Then God said, well, who was listening? The Spirit of God, right? He's hovering. And what's he hovering over at this point? The surface of the waters, the darkness. Do you know what the Hebrew word is for it? It's the word we get the word chaos from. There's no order. Think about how met, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Light and darkness are jumbled together. It's all, there's no structure. There's no, it's just chaos. Do you see this picture? Here is the Holy Spirit hovering over chaos, waiting for divine authorization to bring order out of chaos. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit was doing over your heart until through an awareness of your sin and through a belief in Jesus, you came to the Father through Jesus. And Jesus washed you and he cleaned you through the work of the Holy Spirit who then had divine permission to come in and bring order and structure out of the chaos of your heart. Don't you see all of that right here in the beginning of Genesis? It's a beautiful thing, but it shows us that God, that God created. God, he created. Skip down to verse 26. We'll land here today. Then God said. See, this whole chapter follows a, pa a pattern. Then God said, let there be light. Let there be, what else? Night, darkness, day. Let there be, what else did he say? Sun, moon, stars, land, 
Let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. Then he breaks the pattern. You're supposed to see this. Then God said, let there be, and there was, and it was good. Then God said, let there be, and it was, and he saw it, and it was good. Let there be. Now we get to verse 26. Then God said, let us, what's, he doesn't say let there be. What does he say? Let who? Hmm. He didn't say let me make. Let us make. Well, who is the us? Him and the angels? No, angels don't create things. The Trinity, you're getting a little inter-Trinitarian conversation here. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are saying, hold up, hold up, hold up. We, let us make. You understand what he's doing? He's making humans differently from everything else he made. Then God said, and it was. Then God said, it was. Then God said, let us make. Let us make. Human beings in our image, why? Purpose, right here. You get it. Please see it. Let us make human beings in our image. Well, why did he make us? To be like us. Why were you made? You're made to be like your father. Period. What's my good work to do? To be like him. Now, we came up with this crazy mission statement at our church about we're all about being and making disciples. And what does, how have we designed? Being a disciple is becoming a little bit more like Jesus every day. You understand at the center of who we are, we're trying to live in our purpose. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, wouldn't this be a different blue marble if every man, woman, boy, and girl could grab onto this and say, I know why I'm here. I'm here to be like my dad. Now, we're going to cover about four sermon parts and one question if you can get this right. Why don't we look, we human beings, look like our dad? You got it. Because of sin. Sin has done what? Tarnished the image of God. Now, here's a little difference. You'll hear a lot of people say, we were born into sin. And they'll use the Bible to get there. And I've even said that before. But I want to be a little bit more specific. I want to give you a better phrase. Because they'll say, well, We've taken, from Romans, well, we've taken on the nature of Adam, and Adam was sinful. And the Romans says, because of Adam's sin, sin and death passed to all humankind. That's correct. I don't want to get the whole way down in this, and then the penal substitutionary atonement, and all these other deep theological concepts this morning. But I want, I want to give you a better phrase. Like Adam, we were made in the image of God, and we were created good, but sin has tarnished us. That's a better mouthful. We were made in God's image. But the reason why we don't treat each other like our father treats us, it's because of sin. It's why we don't love one another. 
It's why we don't love our enemies. It's why we only do acts of kindness and compassion when it makes us feel good about ourselves, when it advances our cause, or when we think we're going to get paid back. It's why we only dole out goodness based on our idea of deservedness. It's why we're ashamed of ourselves. It's why we feel guilty. It's why we withdraw from relationship. It's not because of personality or what type of vert you are. It's because of sin. Well, pastor, I, I don't see that. If I had another two sermons I could give you right now, I could prove it to you. Other than I will say this. If you keep reading through Genesis and you get to chapters two and three, you'll see how that into that good garden Sin entered and destroyed all four relationships God meant for us to maintain. It, sin destroyed our relationship with God because God used to come down and walk with Adam and Eve. In Hebrew, to take a walk with someone indicated the deepest level of relationship. And at that point, God came down to the earth looking for deep levels of relationship. And from that point forward, he could no longer walk with people. The way sin destroyed our relationship with God, it destroyed our relationship with ourselves. Up to that point, Adam and Eve had nothing to be ashamed of and hide, but as soon as they sinful, they needed to cover up. From who? From God? God wasn't there. They were covering up from each other because they were ashamed of themselves. Human beings didn't know what shame and guilt was until sin came along. It destroyed our relationship with creation. We were supposed to subdue creation, rule over creation, and then God said, listen, because of sin, now creation's going to fight you. And we destroyed our relationship with each other because of sin. Adam and Eve are throwing each other under the bus. They're hiding. They're withdrawing from it. They're covering up parts of themselves from everybody else so that they don't see their sin and they don't feel. And we're doing the same thing today. We're all, we're blame shifters. We hide things from each other. We are obsessed with what people think about us. We are confident that the more people know about us, the less they'll like us. And it's ruined our ability to live in relationship with each other. And you go back to this verse and you say, why was I put here? Why was I put on this blue marble? Really, you see two things in this verse. You see the two reasons why we were put here. We were put here to be like God, and we were put here to take care of his creation. That's general for all of us. We were put here to be like God. Now, here's my question. To whom? With him, with ourselves, to his creation, and with one another. You were made by God with the purpose of being in relationship with others, in relationship with God, in healthy relationship with, with yourself, healthy relationship with his creation, and healthy relationship with other people. What do you mean by healthy relationship? This is what I mean. Every healthy relationship, you're a contributor and you are a receiver. You put something into it, you get something out. It's not an exchange. It's not like it... It's not that that's a requirement, it just happens. Every healthy relationship that you have in your life with yourself, with others, with God, with creation, you are both a contributor and a benefactor. You put something in and you're receiving something back such that both parties are better for having been in that relationship. That's what a healthy relationship is. That's why God made you. God made you to be like him 
and to work together to show other people what God is like and in such a way to create this tight-knit family community. God made you in such a way that you weren't made for isolation. You were made for healthy relationship. Take a hardened criminal and you know what really, you know what their last form of punishment is in incarceration? What do they do? They put you in solitary confinement because they've discovered that even the most recalcitrant heart cannot cannot stay sane when restricted from all human relationship. Do you understand you were made to have an impact on the lives of other people by being like God to them. Not being God to them, that's a whole different religion. Being like God to them. And what stands in our way? Sin. Every hesitation, I wish I had time to trace this through, Every hesitation, every excuse you can come up with to get out of that, trace it back, we'll find a sin root. It's some insecurity in yourself that's a result of the fall of man. It's some hurt that you've dealt with when you've tried to get close to other people because of sin. It's some broken down part of your relationship with God because you don't understand him, you don't trust him, you don't agree with his purpose for his life, you're not surrendering to him. It's some problem that you've encountered with creation. The things that keep us from being like God to other people are all in the bucket of sin. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ that when we're saved, 1 Thessalonians 5, 22 and 23 says this, that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us through and through, body, soul, spirit. All of you, it's washed up and cleaned up and you're, so that you can fully go after your purpose, which is to every day be a little bit more like Jesus by reading a little bit of your Bible, studying a little bit of your Bible, having a little bit of community with some other believers, spending a little bit of time in prayer, a little bit of time using your gifts. You understand you were put on this earth with the purpose of being like your father so that you can be like him and bring value and benefit in the lives of other people. That's why he made you. That's why you find this indescribable bit of fulfillment that is unique when you bring that into someone else's life. Little tiny ways. And friends, I think this is meant to happen more regularly and organically than it is in these massive corporate initiatives. It's easy for us to say one Sunday a year, we're going to serve our community and we're going to be really nice and godlike for one day of the year so we can be lousy for the other 364. It happens in little ways when you are an outside force that makes an impact on somebody else. Little things. Yesterday, my boys and I are driving through the car wash. I suppose I should give you all four points. Let me give them to you. Those of you who like to write things down, I'll just read them to you, and then we'll come back to the car wash. Point number one, Bible reveals that God created people. Again, not rocket science. God created people. You didn't just arrive here. How long did it take God to create people in, in the Bible story? How long did it take? Did you read the story? Do you know the story? How long, on what day did God make man? Sixth day. What did he do the seventh day? Was he still creating on the seventh day? 
How long did it take him? One day, you didn't evolve over 10,000 years. You, were, you weren't incomplete. I mean, well, the science, well, okay. But anyway, all right, okay. Maybe that just jumps it. Simple is better. I said, God created people intentionally and purposefully. Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. God created people intentionally and purposefully for a couple reasons. Letter A, to be like him. Letter B, to care for his creation. Letter C, to live in healthy community with other people. You can look up those verses later. Have fun with it. We're, we're, going, through, we're going through the car wash, and they were training a lady at the place where you give them your money to go through the car wash. And I rolled down the window, window and it was a younger guy. I mean, just but my eye test, I get in trouble with this. And, and, and the lady looked to be about 10 years older than him. I could be totally wrong. Just let your imagination go. It makes a better story that way. He's teaching her how to take the money, right? And they do the whole thing. And do you want a hot wax today? No, same answer as yesterday. Just wash the, just wash the pollen off for an hour, and I'll bring it back through tomorrow. And I give money. They give me the receipt back. And she says, well, have a nice day. I mean, have a nice weekend. Are you going to have a picnic with your family? I'm thinking. You could tell the kid's just standing there like he's just talking in the little thing right here. The kid is not training her to do what she's doing. He was training her to take the money, hand the receipt. And she goes, well, have an, I, I, are you having a picnic? And I'm thinking, this is the longest conversation I've had at the car wash. I was like, well, we're not really having a picnic. And then my five-year-old like, picnic? Can we have a picnic? I'm like, oh, lady, you just made one work. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, she's like, well, I have, a, you know, I have a grandkid that blah, 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 blah. You understand she was doing more than what was required. You can do your job without purpose. But you know what? She was trying to do a little bit more than just take my money. She was trying to change my day by just a degree. Yesterday, my 10-year-old and I joined John and Bob and Chris Sexton and Perry and, and Pastor Zach, and we went over and we did some yard work for a family in the church who's not able to take care of their yard right now. And, um, you know, my 10-year-old is not enthusiastic on Saturdays about going to do work of any kind. Gave me no resistance, was very enthusiastic, helped most of the time, and then they started throwing piles of leaves on each other and messed up the whole... But that's boys being boys. On the way coming home, the whole way in the car, he's going, Dad, I'm exhausted. I'm thinking, son, you don't even know what work is yet, like... So tired, I'm exhausted. We get home, he walks to the door. His mom, my, my wife, asks him, she said, how'd it go? Yard work is draining. I'm thinking, <laughs> I mean, come on, that was not draining yard work. But here's what he says. But he says, but not as draining as it would have been as if we weren't helping somebody. Yeah, that's, <laughs> The salvageable part for me is that I think somewhere in there, God wired us up in a certain way. That when we're doing something for somebody else that demonstrates his character to them, there's fulfillment, there's a satisfaction, there's an enjoyment that arrives that way. So my challenge to you is will you join with me 
and asking Jesus to help me be more the kind of wave maker that he imagined when he dropped me off on this blue marble. That he'll help me get past myself, my own issues, my own hesitations, my own perspective, and help me live relationally with other people the way that he intends to. I want to give you a challenge. Maybe here's something simple, an action you can take today that will make an impact on somebody else related to our make waves. I I want to encourage you to, to think about registering your child or your grandchild or a niece or nephew. I want you to think about registering a child that's under your care today. Now, this doesn't apply to everybody, but do it today. I, want, I will promise you, if you bring those kids to us and we get to spend 15 hours with them that week, there will be an impact made in their lives. I, how many of you ever went to a camp? Do you remember any of the names of the kids you went to camp with? Some of you say, no, I do. Do you remember your counselor? Do you remember the activities and where you went? Most of us do. How many other things from that year of your life do you remember? Probably very few. I'll tell you, kids will remember those 15 hours the rest of their life. Maybe not everything that they did, but they'll remember some things about it. We are making waves in their life that they're going to remember. They could do a whole lot of other things for 15 hours that week. They won't remember by the next Monday. But here's an opportunity for you to do this. Second thing you can do is you can volunteer to serve with us at the Make Waves VBS. It's a big ask. I realize this. It's Monday through Friday, 9 to 12. You know, I, I reached out to, I've reached out to a lot of people, and some of you have even responded to my emails, which I appreciate. I had one, uh, one of our moms email back, said, I, I'm enthusiastic about this, but I was looking at my schedule, and I, I have to work that full week, so I've decided I'm going to use a full week's worth of vacation time so I can come and serve. Now, pastor's not leveraging this to tell you all to use your vacation time to come serve at VBS. What I'm telling you is that is the type of person who is giving up their time to be with their kids this week. Someone who says, I'll even take five days of vacation so I can come and be here with the kids. Now, I realize some of us have schedules that don't permit this. And as someone who's administrating the whole VBS, it's simpler for me if I just have people who say I can come all five days from 8.30 to noon, you can, I'll even take part-time volunteers at this point. Maybe you can only come for two or three of those days. I'll pair you up with somebody. We have all the main director positions filled. Everything else is support. You're coming along a small group leader who's going to walk around with 10 similarly aged elementary kids and just go through all the rotations of the activities within that week, just enjoying those kids, being an extra set of hands with that group. Some, of, some people will be assistant station directors. We have a game station and an arts and crafts station and a music station and a um, what's the other uh, snack station and then large group activities. Some of you will just be support staff in our preschool. My wife's leading the preschool, but just an extra set of hands. Maybe you can volunteer for a couple days. Now, you're going to have to pass a background check. That's just period. If you know you're not going to pass a background check, we love you. This isn't the event for you. Okay. But um, I need you. I need your help. I need your help. We have enough to run it, but we need some extra hands here. And I just need some adults, some students. You can be any, honestly, if you're going into sixth grade or older, we, we have a spot where we could use you. Um, maybe neither of those things fit. Maybe what you can make away is you can give a special offering to help us offset the cost. It costs about $4,000 to do this. You know, if you've tried to feed 60 kids for a week, 
and you've gone grocery shopping recently, you understand. We're, you, that's why, like I said, we're not dividing that cost up by 60 kids and charging them all $50 to come. We're not doing that. But, um, you know, just like anything else, as I've shared with you before, our attendance is, is growing, the expectations are growing, the expenses are growing, and our giving has declined. And so it puts a little more pressure on these events. But this is something that we're not cutting from the budget because we think that this is really important to do. If you'd like to give specifically to this, when you give in the offering here, whether you give online, click the outreach. Go, just, just give to outreach because this is an outreach. It's, yes, it's for our kids, but it's up for the community. If you'd like to give a little bit extra to help us offset some of those costs, you can do that. And the last thing, and most importantly, help us spread the word, invite somebody. In the next service, one of the challenges I'm giving to the kids is I'm going to ask them to think of somebody that they know that they can invite, and I'm going to have them tell the grown-up that they brought with them, and each of the kids are getting a little invite card in their bag, and we're going to be praying over over those opportunities, that those kids will be able to spread that. You can spread it on social media. We have it on Instagram. We have it on Facebook. If you just spread some of the announcements and the registration links that we're having just through your network and just put a little blurb in there, here's something that my church is doing um, this summer that your, you know, that your kids might really enjoy. Um, that helps get the word out for us. All those little things that you do make an impact told some of you the story about um, worship team, why don't you come? We got to close because the kids are going to be here in a second in their swim trunks and they're not going to wait for us to get out of here. Um, <coughs> I told you, uh, and I can say this because it's not being recorded. Um, our next door neighbor, his name is Jackson. He is Chase's age and uh, they've been friends since we moved into the house. Well, not then. Chase was like a year and a half old, but like since Chase was four, they've been friends and play together all the time. Um, back in March, you know, Jackson hadn't been over in a while. It had been a couple months. COVID, it was nasty outside. It was cold. Back in March, I hear Jackson coming up the steps on the deck. And I was already bracing myself because he just has a timing issue. That's all I need to say. He just has a timing issue. And I was like, oh, boy. We just sat down for dinner, and here comes Jackson. Bang, 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 bang. Mr. Phil, can Chase come out to play? And I'm just thinking, you know, Chase literally sitting down for dinner, which some of you know is a project when you have, and Chase is looking like, here's my chance to get out of dinner. And I just said, you know, Jackson, maybe, maybe in about 10 minutes, but Chase has got to eat dinner. He says, oh, okay. Oh, by the way, I want to come to your church. First of all, I'm going, you know. Where? This is not the way the story usually goes. For years, my son has invited Jackson to come to church. Years. Never comes, never comes, never comes, never comes. And then out of nowhere, we don't see him in a couple months, he says, I want to come to your church. Can you, can you text and send my, 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 can you send my grandpa your address? I might even come to something called, do you have something called Sunday school? I'm thinking, well, uh, yeah, of course we do. You know, like, we call it, we call it E-Kids, but we have to. What I want you to know is that this little wave in my 10-year-old, when he was a 9-year-old and an 8-year-old, he kept trying to make an impact. And his friends like, you don't know. You just don't know what day or what time. Even somebody you've invited 10 times, this might be the thing they say yes to. So don't give up on the potential that you and I have to make an impact on other people's lives. Let me pray over you this morning. Do you want to come into God's kingdom? You want to be right with Jesus? 
Do you want to experience the life-transforming power of Jesus? All you have to do is repent and to believe. And so this morning, if that's you and you say, I'm ready for Jesus to save me. I'm ready to be forgiven for my sins. I'm ready to live out my full purpose for God. All you need to do is tell Jesus that. Tell him right now. You can pray a simple prayer that says, Jesus, save me. I know I've sinned against you. I know I'm broken. And I know I can't fix myself. But I believe you can save me because you lived a perfect life. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I deserved that. You didn't, but you took my punishment for me. And you rose from the dead to prove that your father accepted your payment for my sins. I believe that, Jesus. And I believe you're making me new right now. I turn away from living my way. And I turn towards your leadership, your lordship. Holy Spirit, come live in me. And day by day, make me a little bit more like you. That I might truly achieve my purpose of being your image in the world that I live in. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, you're gloriously saved. You don't have to do another thing, but I do want to ask you just a small favor if you'd be so kind. I'm going to count to three, and if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to lift your hand up. I want you to make eye contact with me. I'll acknowledge you. You can put your hand back down. I just want to celebrate with you this morning. So who prayed that prayer with me this morning? One, two, three. Awesome. Thank you. Who else? Anybody else? Awesome. I see that little hand in the back. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, Ivana. Anyone else? If you're willing and able all across the sanctuary, why don't you stand with me this morning? I want you to leave out of here on purpose today. Does that make sense? To be like him and to take care of his creation. We didn't even talk a whole lot about that. There's a lot covered in that. But you know who God's most glorious creation was? He made one part of his creation a little bit higher than everything else. You know what that was? Us. I want you to leave here today prepared to be more like God, more like Christ to the people he brings into your contact to make their lives one degree better for you having been a wave that impacted them. Our team's going to lead us in a closing song. Our prayer team is coming if you'd like prayer. If you've come prepared to give this morning to worship God and you're giving, our team will receive the Lord's tithes and your offerings today. You can give here in person by cash or check. You can give online via our website, echochurchonline.com slash give. You can just click the give button and give that way. Then when we've sung, we've prayed, we've given, Pastor James will come and give you some final instructions. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that you've given to us. We return to you the first portion of what you've given to us. Use it to expand your kingdom. Father, use this Make Waves VBS. Use us. I pray you draw 60 kids. Lord, make it be a registration problem. Let us figure out how to even serve more kids. I pray you draw kids to this event in July in order that we can invest in their lives and impact them in the same way that you've impacted us, that little lives will be changed forever because of who you are and what you've done. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the Echo Community Church podcast. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the message and began following Jesus Christ today, we'd love to celebrate with you and give you some simple next steps to take as you begin your new life with him. 
just email us at info at echochurchmd.com to let us know. If you'd like more information about Echo Community Church, you can check out our Facebook page or our website, echochurchonline.com. Thanks so much for listening.